Hi, my name is Jordan Lytle, and welcome to Collected Nonsense, a podcast about music, games, and other nonsense. Um, with me, I have my co-host, Zachary Bruno. Zachary, how are you doing? Good. How are you? Pretty good. So it's been a little less than a week since we recorded our last thing. What have you been up to in the interim? Um, this past week, um, pretty much just the same things as last week, working at Starbucks and uh, making music. Um can't think of anything else exciting other than recording this podcast so yeah what about you i've been mostly working and i played went into fort worth and played some music with some friends last week and other than that i've just been working on getting the podcast up on itunes which it is now just search for collected nonsense although if you're listening you've probably already found it it's also on soundcloud now sweet it's soundcloud.com slash collected nonsense or something to that effect so, that's a cool thing. Other than that, I've been listening to a bunch of music and playing a few games. So, speaking of music, what have you been listening to this week, Zachary? Yes. Well, um, I will cover that in hopefully great detail. I have recently, Sounds like a plan. <laughs> I've recently figured, um, recently heard about a song by Walk... I want to say it's Walk the Moon, and uh, it's very popular in in the U.S. Not so much in the world, but um, it's getting it's getting there. I think uh, it's called Shut Up and Dance, and it's kind of an interesting song for me because um, it sounds a lot like um, the the production quality is is great, but it, the way they produce the song sounds a lot like um, the '90s or the '80s, maybe even earlier than that. Uh, there's a lot of reverb, and uh, it's kind of interesting. It's just that it, it got so popular, but it's it's kind of a throwback to the, the old days, I guess. I think I've heard that song. I think they play it on the radio a bunch, don't they? I bet. Hmm. Yeah, I'm not particularly familiar with it. I just I feel like I've heard it. Interesting. You've been listening to anything else? Um... Let's see. I'm trying to think of people that have some new music out. Um, Well, while you're thinking, I'll go ahead and talk about what I've been listening to this week. So, as always, I've been listening to a lot of the Gaslight Anthem and Springsteen and all that. But I also listened to some Bob Dylan and his newest album, which was released earlier this year. Uh, Shadows in the Night, which is interesting because Bob Dylan typically records only songs that he's written. But this album, on this album in particular, none of the songs were written by him. And they were all songs that were previously recorded by Frank Sinatra at some point. It's really interesting because it's not his typical style at all. I don't know if you've listened to it at all. I have not. I really enjoy when artists do some do like an album, a one-off album that's just different than what their normal their normal music sounds like. Whether it's just a different style or a cover album, which is essentially what this is, where they just do songs that are not in their typical vein. Right. Yeah, it's always interesting to have you know their kind of their take on on different songs. Yeah, sometimes it works out really well, and sometimes it doesn't. But either way, it's interesting just to see. Definitely. Yeah. Yeah, um, I guess I would say, like, a lot of Matt Kearney, because he's he's interesting, and um, he's kind of more of a, I guess, rock, hip-hop, a little bit of country, kind of mixed in, all into one. Um he recently re- uh, released a an album. I think it was probably a couple months ago. It's it's more of a pop album, I think. It still is a lot of hip hop, and it, it still has a lot of his roots. But it's definitely a lot production quality wise. It's it's definitely leaning towards the pop side of things. But it's still still really good. Um, but it's interesting just seeing uh, some songs by Matt Kearney that that don't have. Um, I don't know. It's always it's always interesting seeing artists evolve and and change. Um, yeah, a lot of times I find that 
like I like an artist at one particular point in time and you know it hits me just in the right way at one particular time and I really like their sound and then if they evolve too much I end up not liking their sound anymore because they're right. pulling from different influences and it just sounds completely different um let's see let's think of an example oh Toby Mac when I was in high school I listened to a lot of Christian rock Christian hip-hop Christian music and Toby Mac was one of the artists I listened to a lot and eventually he he his style evolved so much that I just stopped liking it really yep did you ever listen to him at all I didn't not not back in in those days I listen to him a little bit now only a few songs of his but but it's very interesting because um, I guess it's really easy to be subjective and say well they're their new stuff is not any good, but like, like you said, it's just, it really is very subjective. Um, and it, it's not like if you, if you don't like it at a certain point, doesn't mean a lot of other people don't either. And some people are just hearing him for the first time, you know, which is cool. Yeah, I mean, it's with any cool. art, there are both, it can be judged both subjectively and objectively. So there, there, there are certain things that you can point to and say this makes a good song and this doesn't. Like if you don't have a good melody or good words or you know if nothing about it is good, it's probably not a good song. Somebody can still like it, and it can be okay and valid that they like it, but it's still not a good song. So it's I don't know preference and how good the song actually is on a technical level are two entirely different things. That's why there are a lot of movies that are really bad movies, just right. stupid, that are highly enjoyable. They're not well-made or anything, but they're highly enjoyable. That's why stuff like Mystery Science Theater 3000 exists. I don't know if you've ever watched any of that at all, or know what it is. Nope. I was guessing from the silence that you didn't know what I was talking about. <laughs> <laughs> so Mystery Science Theater 3000 is, uh, I guess it was a TV show. It was where three comedians would sit down and watch a bad movie, old sci-fi movies and stuff. And they would talk over it and riff on it. And so as the viewer, what you were seeing was the movie and then the recording of them riffing on the movie. So it made all these movies that were painful to watch originally really entertaining. I, can totally I think some of it's on that YouTube really and Netflix. You, you should go check it out. It's the same guys that do riff tracks, if you've ever I've watched I've heard of that, that kind of stuff before. I mean, even like people commentating on movies can be funny sometimes too, but yeah, I, yeah. Can, see, I can see that. It's it, it makes it a lot more entertaining, but it's, it's stuff like, oh, this still isn't good, but now it's funny. So... Although that's technically not a good example of what I was talking about. A better example would be something like Machete Kills or something, where it's such a dumb movie, but it's so entertaining. I, I don't, I mean, I don't know. Would you argue, I would argue that music is kind of like, is a little bit more, I mean, there's not, I mean, there's funny music and stuff that that's, I guess, bad quality production, but a lot of music is not necessarily funny. So Well, if you look bad. at something like Weird Al... True. I wouldn't listen to most of Weird Al's songs just for fun because they're all based on other songs. But, I mean, I guess those are also technically good. Yeah. But there are different t kinds of... It works a little bit differently. It's not comedy that makes it good. or It's not, It's not. oh, it's entertaining just because even though it's not good. Th there's some songs that you like because they remind you of a certain time or place or event. Even though the song isn't necessarily good. You just like it because you're, you associate associate it with a certain time in your life. Like a, lo a lot of old Christian rock stuff really is not good. It's not good music at all, but it was what I had to listen to it at the time. Right. And the reason I can still enjoy it now is not because it's good music, but because it reminds me of being in high school and hanging out with friends and yep. all that. No, I totally see that. I, I can see that so, like in, in my, my own music choices. Although back back way back when I wasn't listening to much music anyway. But um, it was—it's just been in the couple of last couple of years that I've listened, been listening to a lot of music and actually discovering artists and stuff, which is kind of interesting um, because I 
I don't know why it would have taken me this, this long to actually do that, but I really, really like a lot of different music nowadays. Well, it takes a while. Um, I think I didn't really start listening to music heavily until I was in high school, but I, I've realized over time that I listened to a lot of stuff as a kid that I didn't even remember. So I listened to a lot of old music as a kid just from that was on the radio and stuff like that. So when I actually started listening to music again and broadening my uh, musical tastes, there were a lot of things that I discover, rediscovered that I didn't even remember that I listened to, that I listened to when I was a kid. But here's a question. What do you think was the first album that you listened to heavily? Um... Like, are we talking about instrumental or or just regular? I guess what I'm really asking is what what was the band or musician that kind of got you into listening to music in general? Because, uh, like, you know, everybody yeah. listens to music. Like, they hear music all the time. But, right. like, from, from what you were saying and, I guess, from my own experience, it sounds like we didn't really get into listening to going and finding music ourselves until sometime in high school or after high school yeah i think i think the first album i ever really bought was owl city ocean eyes and that was from that was from like 2013 late 2013 i think um and the the way i found it was kind of weird i was i was just like on youtube playing music for some weird reason i had never done this before but i was just i was like man i'm really interested in finding out new artists so i would I would go on YouTube and I was in, doing like worship music because I, I was listening to Brandon Heath and, and all these other people and the popular videos like that had like millions of views or hundreds of thousands of views and I'd just click on a video and then on the suggestions I would click on one that interests me and I would just keep doing that and I came across Fireflies by Owl City and I was like immediately, I think it, it took like a couple times of listening and I was like, what is this? This is amazing. And... um I don't know. I, I showed it to my cousin like that day and she was like, yeah, I already, I already heard about that a long time ago. And I was like, this is the first time literally that I've heard the song. And that was the point when I kind of realized that I wasn't, I wasn't really listening to music on a regular basis because that song was from 2009, 2008. And <laughs> um, I guess that was the point that I realized maybe I need to start listening to more music. So It's kind of funny that you say that because the first album that I bought and like the first year I really started listening to music heavily was, um, well, hold on. Let me remember the name of the album first, but it was also from 2009. It's Awake, the Skillet album. Okay. It was in 2009. And I think it was the year that it was released that I started listening to it. And uh, Stephen Housley introduced it to me, a mutual friend of both of ours. Yep. We were we, we hung out a bunch that year. And so we listened to a bunch of Skillet and stuff in that vein. And that was kind of what got me into music, which is kind of ironic because a lot of those Christian rock bands were um, kind of ripoffs of existing sounds that I didn't, I hadn't even heard. So it was only interesting to me because I hadn't heard where they were taking their sound from. And I honestly, I still haven't. I don't listen to a lot of modern rock. I listen to a lot of 80s and anything before that really but not a lot of modern stuff so now that you know i guess <coughs> excuse me now that you know um where where those i guess where the christian rock bands are ripping off of um what would you do you kind of do you kind of say you don't really like skillet for example that much anymore or yeah, well, I mean, so their sound was a little bit more unique, but a lot of the more generic modern rock stuff is just as generic as every other modern rock band. Just they changed some lyrics. I, I don't know. I I wouldn't call it completely unoriginal. Like there is effort that goes into it. It's just the sound. It all sounds the same. Yeah. Not all rock sounds the same, but a lot of modern rock just has the same, the same type of singing, the same few chords the same types of lyrics and not in a way that differentiates at all it at all right 
some, I mean, any genre is going to sound, any so, any two songs in the same genre are going to sound similar. And sometimes two songs from the same band, like the Gaslight Anthem uses a lot of the same chords. But the thing is, the melodies are all fairly different. And the actual sound of each song, for the most part, is different. There's some exceptions. Like the album Sink or Swim, which was their first album, has a lot of songs that sound really similar. It's really hard to tell them apart. But that's because they weren't as good on that album as they are now. Mm-hmm. So I don't know. I I guess just in general, they're not. It's not bad necessarily. I just don't feel like listening to it because it's not as good as what I could be listening to. Right. Now it's I mean, interesting that you, you bring listen that to up. the Killers or, and or anything by Brendan Flowers, and it'll blow any of that out of the water. Yeah, yeah. It's 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 interesting because you 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 point out that you know different artists in the same genre are going to sound similar, but yet there's always that one or two artists that they just, they stand out enough. And those are the really popular ones because they're just that different. Well, sometimes and it, some of the things that make everything in the genre sound similar are good things. You know, like in blues, they all use pretty much the same chord progression, but right. because it's all done in, in an interesting way. It works. I apologize for my enunciation, by the way. I did not get a lot of sleep last night. <laughs> There's no, no, I, I, I can't tell anything, so we're good. Okay. Yep. It's bothering okay. me, so well, I'm apologizing to the listener. <laughs> <laughs> interesting. All right, I feel like I was going to say something else else about music but i can't remember it so i may save it for next week there was something i think we we had a kind of like a cliffhanger last week it was about um yes what, but that was in the weekly topic it was and in the so weekly we'll topic. come back we'll, to that we'll come back to in that, that segment we got to talk about some games first sounds good yeah i guess we can we can get onto that then yes okay so Normally, I'd ask what we've been playing, but I I've just been playing more of The Witcher Three. Okay, yeah, I've been... and it's been kind of buggy. Really? Yeah. It it's one of the few games that's it's consistently crashing on me, but I still want to play it because it's so good that it's worth it anyway. But I haven't had a ton of time, so all I've done is kind of fight with that a little bit, and haven't really been playing much else. There's not a whole lot of update there. I don't know. Have you played anything? Not recently, no. Okay. Well, there's a lot of news in games, so we'll talk about a few things. First off, we both, both of us, before this podcast, watched the Fallout 4 trailer. Yep. So I'd like to hear your thoughts on that, and then I'll give mine. Okay. Um, it was pretty interesting. I, I really like the way that trailers... I don't really know like anything like how as far as trailers go with games they're not i'm not too familiar with it but it seemed it seemed unique and original enough to where uh i could see you know the the basically the plot of the the whole game and there wasn't really any words no dialogue nothing uh, not even an, a narrator and um i basically saw it and everything was it it made me kind of interested to learn more about what exactly was going on um it sounded like it was in maybe like it was maybe world war ii ish time frame uh, but there was it was weird because the technology that they had because um, there's like this flying robot in part of the scene it seemed like it was kind of a mashup between the future and the past so that was kind of weird um, but that got me curious um but yeah kind of like this nuclear nuclear um, explosion that wiped out civilization or a lot of civilization and seemed like you had to survive and and there's probably a bunch of other things that I I don't know yet about the game but I'm interested I feel like I should mention Zachary has not played any of the fallout games it's actually interesting to get your perspective as someone who hasn't played any of them so you're you're pretty much spot on, which means it's a good trailer. Um, it's a 
I don't know exactly when this one's set, but Fallout, the Fallout games are typically set after a global nuclear war with a lot of elements from, I guess, like the World War II kind of time period and a lot of music from that time period. And it's exactly like you, it's an RPG where you sur- try to survive after the apocalypse, basically. It's interesting. I was really excited about Fallout 4 before I watched the trailer. And now I'm even more excited. That was a good trailer. It's been a long time since a tr- a game trailer gave me goosebumps, but that one did. I will buy that day one. Um, one of the interesting things about the trailer is it was a lot more realistic visual as far as visuals go than most game trailers are. Uh, I don't watch a ton of game trailers, but I watch enough to know that most of the time it's not even remotely representative of the final product. They like to render it technically in the engine that the game's running in, but they don't render it in a way that it could ever look anything like that in the actual game. And they do that because it makes the game look better, but the problem is there's been a lot of backlash because of that in recent years because it's really just dishonest. They're like, this is what the game's going to look like. And the game can never look like that. Right. So I like that this looked like it was rendered realistically. Like it could actually look like that as long as you have a couple Titans or something. Actually, you might not even need that. It didn't look it didn't look as good as The Witcher 3, but it looked pretty good. The other thing I liked is it was a lot more colorful than the other games. Or specifically, I'm comparing it to Fallout 3 and Fallout New Vegas, which are the ones I've played the most of. I played a little bit of one and two, but not that much. Don't kill me. <laughs> Fans of Fallout. But um most of those games are pretty brown, or especially New Vegas. Because you're in the desert, so it makes sense. This one seemed a lot more colorful and interesting. I also liked the way that it cut back and forth between the dog walking through the kitchen and the house to the robot hovering through. It was, it was interesting to see how that environment changed over time. I guess before the fallout and after the fallout. Yeah, that it reminded me of a game that I've heard about briefly, and I just now thought about it. Um, man, I don't remember the name. It was, it was kind of a. It was a very interesting and different game. Um, it was about, you were kind of in this house and trying to, you kind of had to jump between different light fixtures. Um, and you could, I guess you could modify, you were in the past or something, you could modify people's stories. I don't remember. I don't know if you've, if you've heard about that or it sounds familiar to you, Jordan. It sounds interesting, but I don't know what it is. Do you remember what it's called at all? No, no, not really. Um, let's see. So you, you jumped back and forth between light fixtures? Yeah, light you're fixtures? kind of invisible, and you kind of don't want people to see you, but you're really trying to to do good for people in the house. Um, man. Hmm. Yeah, I can't remember. It came out... I want to say three, at least three or four months ago, maybe even more. But it was it was one of those games where it was so different than anything, like Portal, kind of. But uh, but it was it sounded very very intriguing to me. It's interesting. You need to go after we finish recording. Go see if you can find it, and we'll talk about it next week because I may want to play that. Yeah, definitely. It sounds really interesting. What about that reminded you of, or what about Fallout 4 reminded you of that? It was just, uh, well, basically what you said about how it's kind of flashed back between the uh, the new and the old. Um, oh, I, okay. I believe in that game you could you could see, uh, I guess, like a, more of a holographic uh, overlay of, I guess, a, a previous time before when you were in a certain room, you could see kind of had to like match stories together and and such i'm kind of i, I it's it's kind of old in my head right now but but yeah i think it's, it's somewhere around that along those lines interesting 
Speaking of interesting game mechanics, there's a game that I need to finish that I started playing a while back. I, I forget exactly when it came out, but it's called Murdered Soul Suspect. It's spelled soul as in, like, your soul. Um, that's an interesting game. The plot of the game is you're a private detective. At the beginning of the game, you get murdered. Spoilers. And the entire game, you're trying to solve... You come back as a ghost, and you're trying to solve your own murder. It's really interesting. Because, like, you'll end up on the crime scene. And you're kind of walking around. And you see all your colleagues at the police. Your colleagues on the police force investigating your murder scene. And you're trying to, like, look over their shoulder and read their notes. But they don't know you're there because you're a ghost. And so you're trying to navigate around all the real people. It's interesting. Are you... Are you is this... Is this the kind of game where you don't want to get seen, or are you completely invisible all the time? You're completely invisible all the time. Okay. But there are, like, other ghosts you can interact with, some of them who need help. Like, you'll, you'll run across other people who were murdered or who died in various ways, and so in order to help them, like, they'll help you by telling you, giving you clues, but you have to help them first by solving their murder or figuring out who killed them or interesting how they died some of them don't know some of them don't know that's funny yeah it's interesting it's ironic but but i guess that makes sense you know yeah like, well it's uh, the idea is like in this world ghosts hang around until the like their death has been resolved okay so they're, they're like i don't know how i died i can't leave here until i figure it out because i need closure right. and so you're like okay i'll help you and so you go around and look for clues to figure out how they died. Then you go tell them. Interesting. And I think in a couple of cases, you have the option of telling them a different thing than what actually happened. Huh. I don't know. It's an interesting game. I need to go finish it. I just never had the chance. All right. So another interesting thing that's happened this week is that Steam is now offering refunds. So before, okay, so Steam is a digital distribution system for those that don't use it. It's a, it lets you buy games, download them digitally, and stuff like that, and chat, play with people online. So before, if you wanted to get a refund, you would have to contact customer support, and then in a month or two, you might get a refund, but probably not. So now... They've introduced a way to get a refund on a game that you've purchased using just a couple clicks. So if you're not happy with the game, if it's broken or anything like that, you can request a refund. And the only yeah, the only catch is that you have to have played it for less than two hours or you, and you can only do it within 14 days of buying it. Interesting. Which is actually really good because there's been, there's been a big problem with a lot of games coming out broken and people selling stuff on Steam that's just barely a game because Steam has no quality control to speak of. Really? Yeah, well, I've... so the problem is that Valve, the company that runs Steam, wants to be able to make money off games on Steam without having to spend money to have people curate it. Right. Which is fine. That's it's their platform, but the problem is that there's a it's one thing to sell games of low quality on your platform. It's another thing to sell games that are just downright broken <laughs> or not representative of Things that are just downright dishonest. Like, they'll say one thing on the in the store description, and the game just does not live up to that. Or it's not even a game. Right. It's like a level, and you can walk around it and do nothing. At that point, it's really the seller, the retailer's responsibility to step in and say, hey, this is not okay, we shouldn't be selling this. And a lot of times they're like, well, it's really the developer's decision. I mean, it's, yeah. you know, it's not our fault. We didn't make the game. But you know, if you're offering it for sale and making money off the sale, you should have some responsibility in at least making sure that it's working. That's why stuff like or places like 
GOG, good old games, are really good because everything that's on the GOG store, they verified works. So if you buy something from them, you know it's going to work. On Steam, you don't, which is why we've really needed Steam refunds. The only other, the only issue though is a lot of indie developers, or at least a few, have been reporting that a lot of people have been refunding the game, like 70% or something. Let's see if I can find uh, who was saying it. I think it was, hold on. While I'm looking this up, what do you think about this policy? Do you think it's a good thing? What do you, what kind of drawbacks do you think it might have, etc.? I think it's interesting. I think the most interesting thing about it is that um, it's it's kind of a an automatic quality control. If it, theoretically it can be, I don't know. Like you said, there might be a, an issue where uh, people can kind of find a loophole or are refunding the game a lot. Uh, but in general, it seems like it can kind of be a quality control in and of itself. Like Steam can kind of use refunds as a gauge to determine like if a game is actually high quality or not without really spending any money on it. So I think that's kind of, that's kind of cool. Yeah. And to clarify, there is a very loose clause in the steam refunds policy that says if you're caught abusing the refunds ability, then you'll be banned from refunding games or getting refunds for games. Yeah. So it was, Puppy Games, which I think... What game did they make? They've made a game that I play, but I don't remember what it is. Puppy Games, they made Revenge of the Titans, which was a... What was that? It's a game where you battle an army of demented droids in an homage to Paradroid. It's tactical arcade action. I played it a long time ago. I don't remember a lot about it, honestly. But they were saying that... They have a 55% re- refund rate on, I think that one game, they abbreviated it because it's on Twitter. So, yeah, on Revenge of the Titans, they have a 55% refund rate, which is insane. And kind of unfortunate because it's actually, it's not a bad game, I just don't remember a lot about it. So the only issue is that there are any developers who, these purchases are literally paying their rent and so people refunding it they may suddenly go from having enough money to pay their rent to not being able to make games anymore so it's unfortunate but at the end of the day if they're not actually providing the service that customers want i don't know i I guess it's kind of it's one of the hazards of being part of the free market right there are a lot of people who end up getting tricked into purchasing things that really didn't want, or it's not where it's not what they want. Especially yeah. on Steam, there's a lot of really, really terrible games on Steam, where people buy it. And they're like, "This is not what you said it was," and they're like, "Sorry, big deal." <laughs> but there's there's reviews on Steam, aren't there? I mean, you can. Yes, reviews that are entirely unhelpful. Really, unfortunately, interesting because the way the review system works. I'll, if you look at a lot of major games, a lot of the, or actually, if you look at a lot of bad games, a lot of them have joke five star reviews that people make, or one star reviews that are not helpful at all. The problem is there's so many reviews for everything that it's really hard to find the good ones. A lot of times, if you're looking for information on a game it's a lot better to go to youtube or to go to somebody who you know has an opinion on it so if like total biscuit has done a video on it go watch the video total biscuit did and then go find some videos other people did and watch them and actually do research because if you're spending money on a product you want to know what it is right and just reading a review on steam is not going to give you the information that you need most likely and so some people are like well if you buy a game without doing your research you get what you deserve but at the same time if you're selling a broken product that's not okay i don't know in general i think that 
there will be more good than bad to come of refunds. And the other thing, the other thing worth mentioning is that I'm fairly certain that in the EU, there are really strong customer protection laws that require you to offer refunds nice. for electronic purchases. So this may have been something that Valve decided to go with in order to avoid legal action. Because before they officially didn't offer refunds at all, but unofficially would offer them in some cases if you contacted them. I don't know. People are going to be talking about it and complaining about it for a while <laughs> and abusing it, I'm sure. I'm sure some people are going to use it as a way to demo a game, which I'm kind of wondering if that's what that 55% yeah. is. People who were not going to purchase the game before, but decided to buy it, try it out, and then end up returning it. It's not necessarily a bad thing. I can't say I've done that with a real product before, but... If I'd thought of it, I might have. Buy a game, try it out, and return it. Although, if I remember correctly, you didn't used to be able to return hard copies of games back in the day. Yeah. But it might also have depended on where you went. I don't know. So, dude, I just found the name of the, the game that I was talking about. It's called The Novelist. And we will talk about that next week. I may have to take a look at it. Um, so send me the name in the Skype chat so I have it. Okay, will do. For next time. Okay, cool. So I think we can wrap up the games topic for today and move on to the weekly topic, which is going to be the same as last week, which was... If I can remember, what is the purpose of music and other art, I think? Does that sound right? Sounds about right, yep. All right, I probably should have listened to the episode again before starting today. <laughs> That's fine, then. All right. So, I probably should have had a better formed opinion on this before I asked this question. But, let me think. So, I think in general, art... The reason why art has value is because it's a reflection of a point of view in all cases, whether it's music, a painting, writing, games. It's all, whether it's intentional or not, it's a reflection of the point of view of the person making it. And I think it holds value mostly as a kind of a window into someone else's view of the world. I don't know. What do you think? I, I know you kind of gave your opinion earlier, but what do you think about that? That's that's kind of, yeah. I can see that. And it's not, not always... It, it's generally always accurate, but it's not... Um, I don't think you, you can look at one game or one piece of art that the person created and make like a whole, you know model of that person's worldview or way of looking at life i think you have to kind of look at their entirety of what of everything that they created and then you can kind of base a loose you know you can kind of um see a loose kind of framework of what they believe but but it's kind of i don't know i i wouldn't use it as kind of like a 100 percent um, proof for for what they believe. I think it can be used as an indicator, but I don't. I, I would I would argue that the purpose of art is not to to use that as like a a way to see what what that the artist believes. I think it's it's an indicator, but it's not. I don't. I I would say the purpose is more for the the artist um, than for the listener. Well, I guess it's expression. I, I guess what I was trying to say is not it's not a way to find out what they believe. It's a art is a way to see the world in a different way. From the consumer standpoint, when you consume art, it gives you the opportunity to see the world in a way that someone else does. Yeah. It, it, it's less important how accurate that is to the way they see the world, but 
more important that it's allowing you to look at things in a different way. Right. And I guess on the artist side, it has value as a form of expression. It allows you to express things that you're thinking, feeling, or just express your own view of anything, whether it's just, it, it may not even be your view of the entire world. It may just be your view of how a specific song should be made or how a genre should sound or how one specific song should sound. I don't, I don't know. No, that, that makes sense for me. I, that's kind of how I, I look at it. I like, that's kind of what I like in music. I like it when I'm able to, to view the world in a different way. It's interesting. I, it, that might be why I like such a broad range of sounds as far as music goes. I don't know. I may have been a little bit too concise there. We may have extra time this week. So I've been thinking about some ideas of things we can do in this podcast. And one of them is we may answer questions. So if you have a question that you wish to ask us about anything in these episodes or any random topic, you can send that question via email to podcast at collectednonsense.com and we may answer it. We'll think about it. <laughs> it would be interesting. All right. Do you have another topic that you would like to discuss, Zachary? Well, how much time do we have? We have 15 minutes, 15 minutes. until we hit one hour. Wow. Fifteen minutes. All but right. we don't have to hit a full hour. We don't have to either. hit a full hour. I, hmm. I know the new Steam controller came out recently, or you can. Oh yes, that, so. I forgot about that. So we'll jump back to the games topic. Okay. I have not used it. Have you? It just didn't. It just isn't it available for pre-order or is it just? I think there was a beta release for developers, and then now you can pre-pre-order it. Yes, I, I think they released a few to some different people. So there there have been versions of it kind of floating around. There are some at GDC, but I did not get a chance to try any of them. Yeah, they look they look pretty cool. I, I'm not a big gamer, so it's kind of I kind of feel dumb for saying that, but like, um, I mean, I think it's it's cool for as from a company standpoint. Like, just Steam is kind of branching out and creating their own line of products, and kind of. I guess they're connected to the internet a lot more, so that's kind of their their uh, line of expertise. So I think uh, versus like somebody like Xbox or PlayStation, where they kind of had to branch out into the internet, I think Steam kind of is already familiar with that line, and they might be able to do a lot more um, kind of work and and lead the industry, so to speak, in that way. Yeah, I guess. Eh. The weird thing about that controller is it looks fine and they're selling it as a way to play PC games in the living room to go with their Steam boxes. The only thing is, it's basically just two trackpads on a controller. And I don't know how good that's going to feel. And I've heard mixed opinions on it. So I kind of have to wait and see. I don't know. I'm a little disappointed that Valve is like, we're going to do everything but make games now. It's a little disappointing because everyone wants Half-Life 3 or even a new IP. Just a game. We want a game from Valve. Wait, so they're not making games anymore? They haven't released anything in a while and they haven't announced anything in forever. And it seems like most of their focus is off of games. So unless they have some group at Valve that's making a game in secret, which is possible, most of their focus seems to be on making boatloads of money off Steam. Hmm. That's kind of sad. That is yeah. Sad. But I, I don't know. I've never played Half Life, but I played Portal, and like that's that's a game that I could play again just because it's that good. You should play Half Life. Uh, at least Half Life Two. Half Life One is better, but Half Life Two is a little more accessible. Okay. Those are really good games. That's 
a good example of story through gameplay where instead of having cutscenes that tell you the story and then you get to play a little bit of game and then another cutscene, all of the story of the game happens as you play through it. That's nice. So even things that would normally happen in a cutscene, like conversations and stuff, you're never locked down to one place. You're, you know, you may be locked in one room while they're talking to you and talking about how you, what you need to do once you go into the next room. But you can freely walk around the room, look around. You can ignore them if you want. It's just a lot more immersive, and the gameplay is really solid too. Yeah. I, I kind of don't think Half-Life 3 is ever coming out. Well, I'm kind of given up on it at this point. Really? I, yeah. They seem, Valve seems kind of secretive in, in general. So, I mean, I wouldn't be surprised, like you said, if they were working on another game. But I think they kind of have to because they've hinted at like different aspects of Half-Life and Portal and stuff like that. It just seems... Well, here's the thing about the way a Valve works. They don't. Nobody really leads Valve, since they have a flat company structure, which means that like there's no real hierarchy at all. Wow. So the business plan is do whatever we feel like doing at the time. So if there aren't enough people that really want to make the next Half Life game, it just won't get made. That's weird. It is weird. So it's it's cool in theory. It's just, I don't know that it works in practice. That's why Valve ends up doing stuff here. just like, what are they doing? <laughs> I, is there a plan? I, 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 what, what's going on? It's just because it's... What determines what they make is who wants to make what. If you have enough people that want to make something, it gets made. If you don't, it doesn't. Which is cool in theory. In theory, it means that they can be more creative because... There's nobody saying, oh, that's not viable. Uh, I don't think we're going to make enough money from that. We might make some, but we make more from doing this. But in practice, it's, I don't know. Not having worked there, I can't tell you how well it works on a from an employee level. But from a consumer level, it just kind of results in nothing getting done that we actually care about. Because as a general rule, no one really cares about having a new controller like we don't that's not what we want from valve hmm. we want them to make games because it's what, what they're good at maybe they can make controllers but that's not what they're good at and so i, I guess it's cool that they're exploring new territories but i don't know it'd be kind of nice if they'd stick with what they know a little bit you might have a little bit more success with it too yeah, well, yeah. I guess Valve is kind of like the. They're, they're kind of more of a creative company, and they're kind of branching out into doing a lot more of corporate stuff. It seems like with Steam and um, making controllers and manufacturing stuff. So, um, so it's it's kind of completely different territory, and. Um, I mean, it's nice to have like an income like that, but generally you want to have an income to, in order to kind of supplement and further your creative work. And if they're not doing creative work from that, it's kind of kind of sad because then it's just a business and it's not you're, you're not making anything nice. It's it's more of a, a money making machine at that point. I mean, I guess on their end seems creative to them to do interesting things with hardware and they've been looking at VR and stuff too. They've got a VR headset that'll come out soon, but I don't know. I just want them to make games. <laughs> uh, not only make games, but it'd be nice if they would also make some games. It's just, uh, the problem is it, it does kind of have to suck a little bit from their side because every time they go to release something, they're like, is it Half-Life 3? Is it Half-Life 3? It's not, if it's not Half-Life 3, we don't care. Yeah. But at the same time, they should kind of know to expect that by now. You know, when you announce things in pairs of three, and then the third thing you release is not Half-Life 3, people are not going to be happy. That's what they did with this Steam box, by the way. That's how they announced that. <laughs> I don't know. 
sometimes it just seems like they don't know what they're doing. Or maybe they just don't care. We'll see. I don't know. I guess they're doing what they want to do, though. Which yep. is cool. It doesn't seem like anybody's forced them to, to go in a direction they don't want to go. So that's at least good for them. Because there are a lot of companies that are, you know, their their publisher dictates everything that they do. Yeah. And that's unfortunate. All right. Well, I think that might about wrap it up for this week. So, Zachary, where can people find you if they want to hear things that you make or see things that you say? Uh, well, I am on Facebook, but it's probably not the most interesting place to be, but you can find me on Facebook. It's You just search for my name, Zachary Bruno. Uh, but I do make music, so you can check out my website at ZacharyBrunoMusic.com. And I'll, I'm also making some electronic kind of ambient, chill-out, epic tracks, instrumental stuff on a SoundCloud account. Uh, and you can find me there at uh, SoundCloud.com slash Koi Reef, which is K-O-I-R-E-E-F. And it's kind of a side project, but I think it's kind of fun. You can check out my experiments there. So, What about cool. you? Cool. And are you on Twitter? I am on Twitter, yes. That's probably... I'm probably more often on Twitter than I am on Facebook. So, again, it's just twitter.com slash Zachary Bruno. Cool. All right. And so, I'm Jordan Lytle. If you want to find me, I'm on Twitter at Lytle Jordan because somebody had my real name which is annoying. So it's L-Y-T-L-E-J-O-R-D-A-N on Twitter. Um, and other than that, this is the only thing I create on the internet right now. So if you, er, the podcast will always be on SoundCloud and iTunes and on CollectedNonsense.com every Thursday. Hopefully. Every Thursday. Yeah, that's the idea. So far, it's been every Thursday because I've only posted it once. <laughs> so until next week alright